0: Blog Talk Radio.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson.
2: Brian, we have a guest that's going to join us in a couple of minutes that's going to <laughs> change the way that people look at doing their jobs and change the way companies uh, are doing business with other businesses. We just have a smart, smart man coming on tonight, Brian, that's, I mean, he's touching in every field of training there is in the business right now. And, and I tell you what, he, he's a powerful man. And, Brian, uh, you know, when you go on his side and you look over everything that he's doing, I tell you what, I'm just pleased to have him in here and if you have a business or, or a corporation or anything that you have, this is the person that you would contact to help your business grow.
0: Absolutely. You know, I'm just by looking over some of the things that he's been involved with and some of the accolades that he's had, I'm like, wow. It'll
2: you take know, us think, all night. <laughs> yeah, we,
0: I mean, we could just ask him one question, and I think he could go on for at least a couple yeah. hours or so, Yeah. you know, being you know, one thing that he's been is a general sales manager and general manager for two of the largest automotive chains in the country. Mm. And he rose to those ranks at age twenty seven.
2: So yeah. So Brian, he's been doing this.
0: Yeah, he's, he's, he's been doing it for yeah, a we might, while.
2: He's an expert. He's an expert at this. This is this is what he does and and it just seems like everything that he's touching is turning into gold. I I know he's probably Laughing uh, that I'm saying that, but if you just go over and look at everything that, that he's doing, this is the person that you would need to contact as far as train any pretty much anything in the business that you're doing. We're gonna have him on in a little bit, but Brian, I'm, I'm telling you the things that he's he's touching pretty much on everything.
0: Yes, yes, you know. Um, well, first off, let's talk about what tonight's show is entitled. It's called Walking in Victory. Walking in victory. And our special guest is professional speaker, best selling author and consultant Mark Tewart. And when we introduce him, he's going we're gonna let him tell you just a little bit about himself. But you know, i when just reading about him, I'm just like I'm blown away. You know, because <laughs> this man is about business. Yes. You know, and the most important part and I think you'll hear as soon as you listen to his voice, is that He's serious about what he does. He's passionate about what he does. Because you don't get that type of success by just being wishy-washy about it. But without any further ado, I'd like to introduce to you all Mr. Mark Tewart. Are you there, sir?
1: I am. Welcome to
0: the Abundant Solutions (laughs) Hour.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Mr. Tewart. This is Greg. i tell you what, just going over your site and looking over everything that you that you have, it is truly amazing for the length of time that you've been doing this, at the level that you've been doing this. How in the world do you motivate yourself to continue year after year after year doing this?
1: Uh, I've always been a pretty motivated person, but um, I think that you just set extra huge goals, and they inspire you more than just small goals. And the more that you obtain, the more that you gain, the more that you want to do, and the more that you want to help others. And I think that's one of the things that inspires me the most is I love to see the growth. I love to see the uh, abundance that others are creating within themselves and that I've been able to help them or guide them in assistance in that path to get where they want to be.
2: Mm, I'll tell you what is awesome. And, you know, what would you say to someone that's just now coming into – Any business, the way the economy is right now, how could you, you know, uh, most people are afraid to start a business now. Most people are afraid to step out and say, you know what, this is my dream. I've always wanted to own my own business, but, you know, they're a little bit scared right now. What would you say to them?
1: I would say that this is what I call the economy of fear, and the fear is, I'm not saying that it's not a reality that can be created Uh, But the reality, I think, more than that is what's being created by the media. And the more that you watch all of this media, the more that you bombard your subconscious brain that this is a position of scarcity. And the root of the word scarcity is scared. And when you do that, you won't take any steps. You won't do anything. And I believe that in this crazy economy, and I'm not negating it. I'm not saying that there's not obstacles out there. But when there's obstacles, that presents huge opportunities. People are looking for solutions. And if you could be a solution provider, if you can assist people with their problems, I believe more millionaires and potentially billionaires will be created in the next five years than ever before in history because of this. I think it's a greater opportunity than we've ever seen
0: before. Wow. So you say millionaires and even billionaires have this opportunity right at their fingertips
1: I believe it's it's there and uh, you got to walk through your fear and people are looking for solutions I've seen I have four businesses and I see in two of them that people were standing still for a while and they're scared they weren't going to do anything they weren't going to take action on things these are business leaders that uh, were just standing pat but after a while I think the smart leaders wake up and they go, you know, I can't just sit here. I can't cut my way to a long-term sustainable business. And they, they realize that I have to do something. I have to get out there and make something happen if I'm going to make it. And one of the ways to make it is to, to sell. Right now, if anybody's going to be a long-term success and get through this, not only survive but thrive, They're going to have to sell, no matter what business. And and I think some of the best, um, you mentioned my book, but some of the best feedback I've had on my book was that it's just not a book on sales, even though the title of the book is How to Be a Sales Superstar. The reality is that it's also about life skills, people skills, marketing skills, just as much as it is about
0: the sales skills. Now, it's one thing you just touched on, you talked about people skills. You know, I think that's one of the the biggest barriers to selling because, you know, in my experience, people are afraid to talk to other people about something unless they have a real passion for it. You know, what's your experience with that? Have you seen people that are, you know, well, just tell us your experiences uh, around.
1: Well, I believe people skills, and one of the reasons that I wrote the book and why I do what I do in the fashion that I do it, for the last hundred years, that uh, I've studied in the arena of sales training. I've, I went back and studied sales training, sales information, sales books that go back to just about 100 years. And what I found is almost all of those sales training and sales programs concentrate on sales skills or sales techniques or closing techniques or um, what they call the ABCs, always be closing, um, And and what I believe is that keeps people from selling today in this environment. People don't want to be treated like that. You have to think of TLC, think like a customer. How can I help somebody get them what they want, help them with their needs, help them solve their problems, help them identify whatever the solution is to their uh, existence of what they're looking for by thinking about myself? You have to give without thinking about receiving in return. And reality is that is that, – that's people skills. If I can, may I share with you an idea, a simple idea of that?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Yes, go ahead. Uh, the idea of people skills to me is when, when salespeople or anybody are communicating in a business world, what I see a lot is they tend to listen to what somebody says, and that's the words that somebody is communicating to you. But on any communication level, it's always much deeper than that between two people or a group of people. In other words, instead of just listening to what somebody says, you have to listen to what they're trying to say, and you have to listen to what they really mean. And those are often three very distinct different things. The words are what they're saying. What they're trying to say is something totally different. And what they really mean is altogether may be different from that. And if you're not really, really in tune with listening to somebody, and the only way that you can do that is listen without an agenda. If you're not oh. trying to think about what you're going to say back and this magic close and the, what I call the push-button close that's going to close every deal that you're dealing with, if you're not doing that, you can listen without an agenda. If you're listening – trying to think of what you're going to say back with some magic word track and how you're going to try to close somebody. You're going to close yourself out of business. And that's what I mean. That's just one idea of people skills right
0: there. Mm. Awesome, mm. awesome.
2: Yes, that so is you awesome. say
0: that it's what you're saying, what you mean to say. And give me the other one because I want to remember this.
1: What's, you got to listen to what somebody is saying. You've got to listen to what they're trying to say, and then you've got to listen to what they really mean. Example, hmm. let's say you're dealing with somebody in a business situation, and they said, you know, Mark, let me think about this. That's what people say a lot. That's what they're saying. What they're trying to say is I have a fear. That's why I'm telling you I want to think about it. Nobody just walks away from something and goes, you know, I'm going to go home tonight schedule an hour and think about this, this, this issue. They don't do that. What they're trying to say is, I have a fear. That's why I'm not making a decision to do business with you right now. But what they really mean is, I have a fear of making a mistake. I have a fear of making a mistake about either you, your business, or your product or service. It's what we used to call in the automotive industry years ago, money, me, or machine. They have a fear of making a mistake about money, about me, or about the machine they're getting ready to drive and buy.
2: Wow. You know, I love the fact that you said said that in today's world, everybody is selling at some point. Now, it it can be that they're selling themselves or they're selling a product, but they are into sales. And, you know, I I don't think people really realize that they're into sales because if, if you talk with people and say, you know, did you ever apply for a job that's in sales? No, I hate sales. (laughs) <laughs> I hate trying to sell. I hate trying to sell things, and that's what you're doing every day, no matter what job you go to and you're talking with people. That's what you're doing. And do you have? I know you train uh, a lot of people as far as the fear of a salesperson. What What is the biggest hurdle that you think that that person would have to uh, jump over?
1: You You just hit upon it, and it's a belief system. The first chapter, it's funny, the title of the first chapter of my book is Sales is Not a Dirty Word. I look at salespeople's business cards and they come up with more creative titles than anything I've ever seen in my life communication specialist, customer service acquisitions manager. I said, How about just putting salesperson on the card? Salesperson and proud of it. And the reality is, if you're going to be a superstar at anything in life, whether you're a coach, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a policeman, whether you're a, a, a clerk in a store, whether you're a, a salesperson selling something out in the world, whatever widget it might be, it doesn't matter what you do in life. If you're really truly going to be a superstar at anything, you have to sell. Everybody sells. As a matter of fact, if you want to see the best example of salespeople in the world, talk to your kids for about two hours if you've got kids. If you don't, go to your neighbors, find one, and find out how they sell. They don't believe in taking no for an answer. They believe in coming up with a solution to your problem, which will get them what they want, and they have a belief that they should have what they want, and there's nothing wrong with that. Kids are phenomenal salespeople. Everybody's a salesperson. Now, one of the things that I invite salespeople to do, and and I think you hit on it, the salespeople or businesspeople that aren't achieving what they want, it's because their mindset is not a superstar mindset. They really don't, in their mind, believe that they're worthy of getting what it is that they're seeking. There's an imbalance there, and they're, they're finding ways not to take action. Go to any Starbucks anywhere in the country in the morning for an hour and sit there, and you're going to see salespeople. You're going to see salespeople with call reluctance sitting there, not wanting to go call on a customer because they feel like they really dread being a salesperson. Instead of embracing it and realizing that everybody sells every single day of your life, whether it's selling your wife on going to dinner at a restaurant or whether it's selling your kids on this or whether it's selling your clients, communications is sales. It's persuasion. It's, it's uh, having a better understanding So just endorsing the idea that it's okay to be a salesperson, and and when people say, well, I'm really not a salesperson, I say, that's not true. Everybody's selling something every single day of your life. That's the way we exist.
2: That is so true. I want to ask this question, too. Do you think that people are just afraid of being successful? And the reason I ask that is, you know, when you're dreaming of having something and doing something, and that moment comes, a lot of people get nauseous, they get sick, and they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm at this, this, this dream, I'm at this thing that I've always dreamed about having and doing. I don't think I can do it. I, I think I want to wait a little longer before I have to make this decision. So do you think people are just afraid of being successful?
1: I 100% believe that. I believe there's two major fears. One is the fear of rejection. They think that it has something to do with them when they get rejected. I tell salespeople all the time, it has, you know, you may have not been the best you could be, but it has nothing to do with you. You've got to say one single major word that can make you rich when you get rejected, and here's what that word is. I call it the MBA, massive bank account word, and that is next. You've got to scream that. When, when the customer says yes or they say no, I want somebody to say next. Why? Because I got to move on. If I sit there and pass, pat myself on the back all day that I just made a sale, I let four customers go past me that wanted to buy something. Or if I'm sitting there dejected, waiting for an hour, you know, to try to pump myself back up, or a week that somebody said no to me because it was personally rejected. I, I we sold seminars across the country, my seminars for years, and we still do that. But when I have salespeople that would come out of a business talking to them about the salesperson, I told them, I said, never get too high, never get too low, and remember, you're the same person walking out of that business as you were walking in. You didn't change. The result may have not been what you wanted, but it's the same person. You're the same person walking out as you were walking in, and, and I think people start to evaluate themselves by a negative result, and then it um tends to take a life of its own that they're not worthy or they don't have a belief system that they'll be able to get what they want.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, I want to ask you, I want to go a little bit back to um, you talked about children and the fact that they're huge salesmen. You know, you reminded me of when I would go out, when I first got my business cards uh, made up for what I do now with Motivational Speaking. My children were the biggest salespeople for me. Everybody <laughs> we went, everybody we saw, they said, Daddy, give him a business card.
2: My there daddy's a
0: motivational speaker, and he'll come and speak to your organization. I mean, they had it down pat. I didn't have to say a word. There you go. You know? And I think it was the, one of the most important things about selling that I learned from them was that you have to be fearless.
1: Absolutely. And and it's hard for us. You know, we all have our, our things that we go through. You know, nobody is 100% fearless in your life. And let me give you an idea of a little, um, uh, and I don't know if you've ever seen this little exercise, but I do this often with salespeople and other people. I'll, I'll say write down for you, because this is very personal for me, but I'll say, go back to your childhood and just think and write down the 20 earliest memories or teaching that you have ever seen about money? Anything that you could think of, the 20 earliest things that you learned about money. And for me, as a kid growing up on the wrong side of the tracks, uh, what I heard a lot was, what do you think? Money grows on trees? Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard um, things like, what do you think we are, rich? Um, Even the positive teaching is, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned, It was more about the saving than the making. It was more about the scarcity of the issue of money. It was more about that uh, rich people were different from us. So if you hear that enough, whether it's your teachers, whether it's your parents, and my parents were great parents, but God bless them, the one thing that they didn't teach me well about, and they didn't know, they were taught the same thing, were issues about money. So people don't think about that, but you're out there trying to earn, and you're trying to sell and trying to make your way in business. But subconsciously, all your issues around money may be ones that have been taught to you in a scarcity-based thought process. Does that make any sense? Yes, it does. Oh, absolute yes. sense. So it doesn't, it doesn't add up to what you're trying to do. And right. people self-sabotage themselves Consistently. We're seeing it in our economic, uh, you know, economic climate right now where they self-sabotage themselves.
2: Yeah, You know, uh, it, it is, it's so true uh, that what you said about children being the best sellers, and Brian stated about his daughters and kids saying the things that they said about him being a motivational speaker and hire my dad. Kids believe, they they believe when they see something they they make it seem so simple, and it really is that simple. And the things that you're saying about money, you know, growing up, all you've heard is, and you and you start listening into what people are saying, and it's like they're saying it's hard for you to do this. Money is hard, hard to get. It's hard. It's yep. hard. You can't. So when people, they only believe, you know, that their faith and belief is stopped. That It's, it's like a stagnant at some point that they can't get past that. Well, I'm not supposed to earn a lot of money. Guess what if you believe that you won't earn a lot of money?
1: Well, you use the word that people associate with money all the time or with work. The word that you always hear with work, and it's not necessarily bad as far as what people are trying to communicate, but they don't realize the implication of it, and that's the word hard. Every time you ever hear the word work, you hear hard work and hard in your mind conjures up that it's going to be difficult and it may be difficult but the reality is you know if you love what you do and I've had days when I started my business you said you know you do motivational speaking and when I started my company 15 years ago my wife can attest to you there were times I didn't sleep I would stay up and sell all day and at night I wrote and I planned and I put together marketing and I had to and I wanted to and as people would describe that as hard, to me, I enjoyed and loved that and, and, and really fed off of that so much. To me, the hours and what I was doing to put forth, it, it just didn't seem – I wouldn't use the word hard. To me, it was fun. I was enjoying it.
2: Mm. And You know what? It, it's it's, it's a, to cloud a person's thinking. I, I think that what you're doing – and the way that your parents were taught, it, it it had to be something in you to say, you know what, something is just not right with the things that I'm being told about money and the things that I've been told about success. Everybody's making this thing out to be so hard, but it had to be something in you, Mr. Stewart, to say, I can do this. You had to be a little bit different uh, in, in, in your thinking and knowing that you were thinking outside of the box that you could do this, because if you didn't think you could do it, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. What was that thing that said, Mark, you know what, don't listen to all of that stuff you've heard before? I'll tell say you exactly,
1: exactly what probably propelled me even more than anything. I had already started in the business world and was doing well, uh, doing doing good, doing well, but the thing that really – uh, really struck me and I think about this every day, when I guess I was about twenty five years old and my dad passed away of cancer, he was sixty five. And in the last hours of his of his life, he looked at me laying there in a hospital bed and he said to me he called me Buster, this was a nickname for me, he said, Buster, I, I never bought a new car in my whole life. Now my dad was a union electrician, he made pretty good money, but as a construction electrician, you might go through droughts where you would be laid off and there would be scarcity and lack of money, and there always seemed to be a fear around money in my household. And when he said that, I thought, here's a very good man who raised kids and did well, and but here's a good man in the last part of his life who's focusing on what he hadn't done rather than what he had done, and what the thing that he was focusing on that he hadn't done was just the purchase of a new car, which doesn't mean anything i mean he was probably smart to buy old used cars and drive them to the wheels fell off he 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 wasn't in debt you know he wasn't in debt when he died but that 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 moment really stuck with me and the fear that he had in his life about money and the lack and the scarcity about money probably drove me more than anything
2: Mm so it it was a it was more of a emotional um, emotional type uh, something in you to do that
1: that and the fact that because we didn't have the money and I wanted to go to college and do some things, I had to work full time and go to school full time that you you almost don't have time to think about it you know you you get up in the morning you hit the ground running and you run until you fall into bed at night, and so you just keep running to go to school, to work, and you're doing these things, and along the way you're learning, you're getting some lessons, some some good life lessons, and you're realizing that you don't want to be in this this situation the rest of your life, so you've got to apply yourself as much as you can to move on to another level. And I think that probably, you know, sometimes um, I, I guess you would call it necessity is a pretty good motivator. Yes,
2: yes, Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Mark, I want you to uh, tell us a little bit more about the book.
1: Well, it's called How to Be a Sales Superstar, Break All the Rules and Succeed While Doing It. Um, The reason being is that uh, I've always been uh, known as a contrarian during my life. Uh, Many years ago, when you mentioned I, I was a general manager of some automobile dealerships, I had a meeting one day with all of our salespeople, and I said, what if we just did the opposite of what we're doing right now. And they kind of looked at me funny and they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's a more of a rhetorical question. I don't really have an answer. What if we just did the opposite of the way that we do everything, the way we meet and greet customers, the way that we profile them, the way that we try to propose figures to them, the way that we try to supposedly close a deal? I'm talking about everything we do. What if, what if we just did the opposite? And, um, you know, they just kind of looked at me strange and I wound up locking myself in a training room for a day and writing down every part of our sales process and then saying, okay, what would the opposite of that be? And then I would take it and try to apply it. And then some of it worked incredibly well. Some of it didn't work as well, and we had to tweak it. Some of it didn't work at all and had to change in a different direction. But what I did find was that when I was doing the opposite of what everybody else in the marketplace was doing, We did extremely well. Overall, it became like a workbook, and uh, our sales increased dramatically. Our customer satisfaction scores went way up. Our profits went way up, and I thought, hmm, well, I'm on to something. And then I got asked to do a, a satellite TV show that was a training network show, and that became very popular, and then people started asking me to write articles. And then I started my business doing seminars and training and speaking, and that morphed into this book. And the reason that I wrote the book was I became very frustrated uh, seeing salespeople that were intelligent, uh, very capable people that weren't reaching their goals and their hopes and their dreams, but more often than not, they weren't even trying. They had so many roadblocks, and they had not identified what those roadblocks were that I thought that if I could write this book and get it out to a lot of people, that it could help them with their lives, and that's kind of – how it
0: um, how it all came to together. Okay, so you talked about in the book about how to get how to recognize those roadblocks as well as get past them. Mhm. Okay, Absolutely. Good. Good. You know because that's I think that's you know the one reason why people get afraid. They see a roadblock, and the first thing that a roadblock does is want to take you to a detour. They don't want you to go that particular way, and so they typically start taking that detoured road so all, so much that they never look to see if the road is clear again.
1: Correct. And they assume if they saw that, that you can't go any further or that you won't be able to go further in the future. That's just exactly what you said. And to give you an idea, I'll have people do exercises where I call it the game of your life. And I, it's a football analogy, but I'll tell people that uh, imagine that you're in a movie theater or you're in a football game. Sometimes I'll use a movie analogy, but usually because I'm a sports guy, I like sports analogies. But you're in a football game and you're the quarterback, so you're the star of the game. And then you've got your teammates and your opponents and you've got officials on the field and people in the stands. And um, all these people are a, a part of the game too. And then you have your coach. And your coach is guiding the game, and he has an idea what the game plan is and how he wants it to come about. Well, as the quarterback, you, that part of you is what I call your conscious mind. That's what you're choosing. You're out there trying to run your plays, trying to make the game happen the way you want to get the final result that you want. And all these teammates, they may have little different ideas, and your opponents have different ideas of how they want it to play out. And then your coach has the final say. Well, to me, your quarterback is your conscious mind. Mm-hmm. It's what you're choosing, how you choose things, your goals, etc., cetera, what you want to do. But the coach is also you. It's your subconscious mind. And what I find is people will say, I want to lose weight. I want to make money. I want to sell X amount. And that's their quarterback. That's their conscious mind. But then that coach is saying, and what I call PS statements, a coach is saying, um, well, I would, but, and then it's what, what you call those PS statements. I, I'm, too, I'm too skinny. I'm too heavy. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have enough experience. i got too much experience. I don't live in the right place. I don't work for the right people. Uh, my manager won't allow me. You, you come up with whatever it is. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough investment. I don't have enough time. So the limitations are there, and those limitations are almost always just strictly in your mind. And when you think of limitations and fear, you just grow them to such a level that they become reality because the perception has now created reality. So I have them identify what those roadblocks are, those PS statements, when they're writing their goals and thinking about that subconscious block and try to rewrite their, their goals in a sentence format Uh, that would eliminate those. And just a simple format is I choose to easily, happily, and without conflict achieve blank whatever your goal is or more. And I even had a person that uh, had a huge goal one time he wanted to obtain. He had a lot of roadblocks, and I had him write out that sentence 100 times a day for 30 days. And I'm not going to say this always happens, but at the end of the 30 days, It was like a miracle of something coming towards him that gave him an opportunity to at least try to pursue and then eventually make that goal happen. That's Mm. powerful.
2: That's really powerful. Let me ask you this. Do you give class I know you have training for everybody, but as far as management, do you have something that you, some type of training that you have for them to get the best result that they need out of the employee? Do you have something like that?
1: Absolutely. And, um, I think it really needs to start with there. I have a saying, and it's not mine, it's age old, but speed of the boss, speed of the crew, As they think and act, their employees or teammates will too. So you want to start with the management, you want to start with the leaders, and you want to start a cultural, environmental, and mindset change there, not only with processes but with what I call the four P's, people, process, whatever product or service that you're selling, and then positioning, which is your market positioning. So I believe that has to start with your leaders first, and then you begin to work with the other
0: teammates. Oh. Is,
2: do, can you or is this also tied in with your book, the things that you just said about management or whatever, the training, does you, that tie into to your book, or is it something that connects with your book?
1: Absolutely. There's a material in the book that does cover Um, Some of the ideas about that, obviously not all, but there is material in the book about that. To give you an idea, I just came back from Key West, Florida late last night where I was doing a speaking engagement that was uh, also a training uh, symposium for uh, what they call a uh, 20 group for Toyota dealers. That's a mastermind group of 20 different like-size Toyota dealers from all over different parts of the country, and these were the actual owner-operator-dealer principals. So I was there speaking with them, giving them instruction about the management and uh, the running of their own businesses so then we could go back and then talk with their level, uh, mid-level managers and then begin to work with salespeople at their businesses.
2: Hmm. Okay. That's, That's interesting.
0: You know, I wanted to ask another question. I wanted to ask you about, um, okay, hey, Greg? Yes. Are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, good, good. I'm having a little technical difficulties with my machine here.
2: That's okay.
0: But um, I wanted to ask him about the other obstacles that you may have. Let's say you're past the issues behind uh, I'm afraid or, you know, I can't do this. Let's say you have that mindset that you can do it. You know, what comes next?
1: I believe once you, um, you have what I call the life skills, which is, you know, the attitude and the fears are gone and all of that stuff, the next stuff is you, you do have to have some sales. You have to have some sales skills, sales process, and you've got to identify What everybody else is doing in the marketplace with their sales process, once again, look opposite and begin to develop a process that uh, doesn't play with the masses. Example, if uh, somebody was a retailer this holiday season, if you walked into a store right now, you're going to have a clerk walk up to you and go, "Um, hi, welcome to our store. Can I help you today? And 99 times out of 100, you're going to look at them and say what? No, I'm just looking, I'm just shopping. Mm -hmm. That's what we all say. It's a mechanism Mm -hmm. to try to keep, you know, people at bay. We're we're pushing them away to protect our space. And so what I would do is use their words first. If I was walking up as a salesperson, I'd say, hi, welcome to our store, whatever the name of the store is. Are you out beginning to look and shop around a little bit today? And, of course, they're going to look at you and say, well, yeah, I guess I am. They're not going to look at you and go, no, I'm just looking, I'm just shopping. See, what you did is you took their normal return answer to protect themselves to push you away. You used it up front proactively and made the customer feel okay about it. So I said, hi, folks, are you out beginning to look and shop around a little bit today? And so they can't turn around and look at you and say that anymore. It makes them feel comfortable. You told them it was okay to look and shop. Mm-hmm. And once you dialogue with them, you could say something like uh, – Mr. Customer, if you would allow me to, notice how I said, if you would allow me to, it's their permission. If you would allow me to, I could point or guide you towards whatever you might be looking at and even share with you some of the things that we have on sale. Fair enough? Well, those are sales skills. I used what I call tags. I just used several tags. I said, with your permission, if you would allow me to, Mm -hmm. I could point and guide you to. Fair enough. Did you notice all that language is very universally appealing? It's things that nobody would say really no to. Nobody's going to look at you and say, Mark, don't do that. Show me something really high priced.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, the other thing I noticed is those words are also words of empowerment. Because you give them the, you know, you empower them to where they don't have to be, in a sense, negative. You know, because when you're in a store and you really don't want to, want help until you want it you exactly. know even when they're coming you know eventually you're going to want some help but you don't want them bothering you right now you just want to look and so if they if, now if they feel empowered to say okay when i'm ready then you'll come over and help you, you know, just gave they're, the they're customer the right to pull you
1: into them rather than them feeling like you're jumping all over them right And that's exactly what happens. They say, well, yeah, I'm looking for A. And I said, well, great, I can point or guide you. And if you'd like, with your permission, I can even point out the ones that we might have on sale. Well, when you do that, it's a very positive thing. They're pulling you towards them instead of the old idea of let's go out and let's control somebody, uh, you know, the old hardcore idea of selling. That repels people. It pushes people away in any environment. Um so if you if you design some sales skills for yourself and have a process um you're going to be much more successful than what I call the wingets. The wingets are the people that don't have any idea if they're calling on a customer or they're trying to get in front of a CEO. They don't have any idea. They're just going to try to bang the door the same way that everybody else does.
2: And, oh. I was going to I was going to even ask you about that too about the, uh, I guess you would just call people like that just negative people. And, you know, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is we, we, we're talking about someone that's trying to do something. What about the negative people that are around, like the negative coworkers? Uh, they see you trying to do something, and, and they're saying and speaking against what you're trying to do. How do you deal with negative family members? And and we know that not all families are being negative a lot of them don't want to see you hurt so they do and say certain things that they probably shouldn't say that will come off to you and you're processing it as you know what this person don't want me to be successful they don't want me to have my own you know the question is what do you do with negative people that you know um and you talk with on a daily basis how do you deal with them when you're trying to reach your dreams and your goals
1: well, the first thing that I have to do is I have to rewrite what I want every single day so I'm very clear in my belief and passionate about it and know that it's about me. It's not about everybody around me. But you're absolutely right. Um, you will be negatively influenced, unfortunately, by family, by coworkers, et cetera. And I just it, I call them cancer people. I invite everybody in December to sit down and make a list of all the cancerous people in your life and do what you would do with cancer, and that's treat it. If you have to, you've got to cut them out. But in, in, in a work environment, you know, I tell people all the time, stay out of what I call the smoke and joke circles. The smoke and joke circles is three, four, five people, coworkers together, and I can guarantee you that I have never heard this conversation in a smoke and joke circle. I have never heard life is great Money is abundant. I am getting rich. I love my bosses. My owner is fantastic. The world couldn't be better. I am so happy. I don't know what to do. You never hear that.
0: <laughs> what
1: you hear is life sucks. We're all going to die. Wow. And you've got to stay awesome. away from those. You've got to stay busy. If you're busy, you don't have time for those. And when people try to interrupt you like that and try to invade your life, you just got to think to yourself, the only way that I can afford to spend time with you is if you write me a check for my mortgage today. And if you do that, I'll let you be in my life again tomorrow, and you can tell me your negativity, and you can write the check again tomorrow. But the first day that you don't write me a check for my mortgage, I'm not spending time with you.
2: Now,
0: mm. mm. well, that's a novel idea.
2: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Wow. It is. In, 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 the workplace can be such i uh, I'd say, stronghold on someone when they feel that management is not treating them like they should be treated or they're not getting the proper pay that they should be receiving. But how can they, when, when it's management is more rotten or whatever you want to call them and they're not really trying to teach you or help you move along, and you don't want to jump above their heads and try to do something without their permission or, uh, you know. But what I'm saying is for a person to be in a job and working and all this negativity,
1: mm-hmm. and that person
2: is trying to move up and better themselves,
1: mm-hmm. what do they do? You've got you to gotta go within yourselves. Um, you know, the old look in the mirror test. You can't wait for your managers, or you can't wait for the perfect boss. You can't wait for the perfect manager, the perfect workplace, because it's rarely, if ever, going to be there. There's always going to be negative bosses. There's always going to be bad businesses. There's nothing saying that you've got to work there the rest of your life. You're not a tree. You have feet. You can move if you wish. However, if you're going to be in this environment, you've got to insulate your mind, So what I invite people to to do every single day of their life, if you're not spending one hour a day on educating and motivating yourself, you're going to get sucked into that, and you're going to start blaming others for all of your uh, scarcity and your position of lack and your negativity. So, you know, I I think it was Mark Victor Hansen that said, um, what you impress, you express. The more that you put in, the more that's going to come out. So it's like a computer. when you put positive in, you'll get positive out, you get negative in, negative out. You've got to spend an hour a day putting so much good stuff in your brain, whether it's written, whether it's verbal, where, you, know, listening to tapes and CDs, reading. And uh, a lot of times I hear people say, "Well, I just don't like to read. I tell them, "Get over it. Start reading." You know, read as the root already. Read, 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 read. I haven't met one successful person on a long-term basis that I can think of in a business environment that wasn't a massively self-educated person. And that insulates you from all that negativity that's coming your way, and you're going to leapfrog above these people. And one of my mentors is Jim Rohn, and Jim Rohn has one of the best quotes I've ever heard in my life. Jim Rohn said that A college education can get you a job, but self-education can make you rich. You have to massively self-educate yourself, and you'll find that when you do that, you get motivated, and negative people and negative managers and negative businesses and negative environments, you get past all of that, and you find it not influencing you near to the level that it would.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, I never thought about it like that. (laughs) Well, it's a different process. The, the world has
1: got maybe more negative spin than ever before because of all the news channels, all the connectivity, um, all of the things going on in the world. And you think about it, as business people, as sales people, I tell people every day, stop doing all these to-do lists. You're creating an ego satisfi- satisfaction list that's not helping you be successful. You've got a massive, long Uh, to-do list, but what is really in that to-do list? Take a day, take a piece of paper, and at the top, at the end of your day, review what you did in your day, and create what I call a stop-doing list. In other words, you've got to quantify to qualify. Quantify what your actions were and figure out what you should stop doing. What should I do less of? What am I doing that's not getting me the results that I want? Where did I spend too much time? Did I check my Crackberry 55 times today? Did I check my email 55 times did I check my text messages a hundred times? Did I you know, when you start adding all this up, half your work day is gone. People just aren't productive. That's why they're not as successful and making as much money as they want. They're flittering away their day and unsuccessful activities and feeling great about it because they've got a to do list that they've checked off.
0: Hmm. You know, one of the other things that um about and this is relating to sales that I want to ask you about. What happens after you close the deal? Because I know a lot of people that are in the sales and all they think about is the sale, the sale, you know, and they aren't that great at it, but they're always talking about, I got to sell this, I got to sell this, I got to sell this, whatever it may be. But what happens after the sale?
1: That's um, what you just talked about as far as concentrating on the sale only is the biggest fallacy of sales. Um, I hate to I, I bring this, uh, uh, keep bringing up the book, but in reality, if, there's, if you're reading the book, there's a chapter in the book that says, dance with the one who bought you. And that's a play on words, but it's mm-hmm. dance with the person who bought you. In other words, your customer bought you, they brought you to where you are. So your most important sale is the customer you've just sold You've got to design an automated, not completely, but um, to a large degree, automated follow-up and um, appreciation system for that customer. And if you go 18 months without having connected with your customer you sold, it's as if you've never sold them. Uh, they have no loyalty to you. They have no connection to you. They don't even remember you. And that's what 90-plus percent of salespeople do, what you just said. So if you can design a system where you're in contact over a period of the lifetime of the customer, with emails, with personal calls, with different types of postcards, different type of what I call lumpy or dimensional mail, um, you know, I have a whole system where I've automated as many different contacts with as many different media types with my customers as I can. I'm I, if anything, if I want to fail, it's because. I've been in front of them too much. I'd rather err on the side of being too aggressive and being in front of them all the time. I want to be water cooler conversation that somebody is saying, you know what I got from this crazy guy this week? I got this trash can mailer. I got this bank bag mailer from him. And it's this guy I bought a blank from. Um, I got an email from him, and guess what it was in it? I want them to be talking about me and all the different types of contacts, but I want it to be fun. I I, I don't want it to be where I'm just uh, sending generic crap to them and uh, they're going, you know, let me throw that in the the trash.
0: Mm. Mm. You've got to
1: stay in touch with them.
0: So you're saying another part of sales is definitely marketing yourself.
1: Oh, it's the hugest part. Here's where the fallacy is. Most businesses fail because of two things. You're always in two business. You're in the people business. You're in the marketing business. You've got to spend 80% of your life as a, as a business person marketing yourself, both to uh, getting new customers, which I call lead generation. Lead generation equals dollar creation. And then you've got to spend the other percentage of your time uh, marketing to your existing customers because what they will do is repeat with you. You can create a continuity program with them where you're not just selling them once. You're selling them over and over and over again with multiple different goods and ancillary services, so you just don't sell them one thing, you sell them ten things, even if it's information. And then, over and beyond that, what you're doing with them is you're getting them to be connected to you where they become almost like a downline in multi-level marketing. Even if you're not in a multi-level marketing business, they become a downline because they're bringing more customers to you. The best place to sell is always in the place or the household or the business you just sold to. There's more to be sold there. And everybody's going to go look for that new Conquest customer. And, and what I tell salespeople is when you first get in the business, spend 80% of your time trying to get new Conquest customers, 20% maintaining them. And every day you should be working towards trying to flip that model to where it's 80% maintaining and 20% going towards new ConQuest customers. Because those 80% of the time spent with your your current customers, they will get you more business than you ever would have dreamed, and you'll grow your business exponentially because of that.
2: Yes. And I want to say the things, the tips that you're giving tonight, I mean, the golden nuggets, because everything that you're saying is like, okay, I know school will teach me certain things, but the things that you're talking about, I've never heard um, people talk about this in the classroom or in the training room. Do you think it's just something that people just don't know? They don't understand that they need, that they really need to buckle down and get a grip with how they're going to reach their customers and being savvy and being just smart. Uh, with the way they go about doing it
1: let's put this way if you don't understand marketing you're probably going to fail in about everything you do or and when i say fail not reach the capacity that you would like to reach Uh, your business is not about your business it's about marketing your business that's the real business you're in and when i say marketing i combine marketing and sales people try to disconnect them and uh, they go hand in hand but it's marketing 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 you got to learn a multiple different ways to attract potential customers every single day and have an ongoing pipeline. And I'm not talking about just advertising. That's a one-stage uh, marketing process that is often very ineffective. You need two, three, four. Uh, to give me an idea, and you, you're absolutely right. Here's an exercise. Take a dot on a piece of paper, and next to that dot that you just put, Put your initials for your business. If you're a salesperson, you're still in your own business. You have to think like a CEO. So for me, uh, I'll say this is Tewart, and I'm going to put that in the middle. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to create a dot outside and a circle around that, different dots that would signify all the ways that I get business. And I'm going to continue to try to grow this. And then off of those, there's going to be subsets of those dots. I'm going to, If I had direct mail, I'm going to figure out how to do very creative postcards. Like I've got postcards of me skydiving. And I've got postcards of me in a straight jacket. and with blurbs coming out of my mouth. And then the marketing on the back connects to that. Well, all of these things I keep coming up with, I call that my marketing web. And you should work on your marketing web every single day and grow it to where eventually you have so many ways to acquire customers that you're getting customers in your sleep. And I once heard it said that um, most people think about, try to think about and find one way to get 100 customers. You should be trying to find 100 ways to get one customer. And you're right. They don't teach us stuff in school. I once had a... um, Real quickly, I had a professor, I think it was from Carnegie Mellon one day that I was talking to, and he said he taught an entrepreneurial program, I think it was in an MBA class, and it was uh, the specific subject was sales. And he said constantly these well-educated, bright people were coming to him as students and saying, well, why do I have to take a sales class? I mean, I'm getting an MBA. And he said, well, for one reason, because it's going to be the one class that you are going to use Every single day for the rest of your life, and that will definitely bring results And that you could see the value for the time that you spent here. More than any other class that you overtake, this will be the one that you use and get better results than anything else. So you're right, absolutely right.
0: All right, we have about a little over five minutes left in the show, and we'd like to give you the opportunity to uh, tell us about uh, where we can purchase your book as well as – how we get in contact with you for speaking engagements, and also if you have any upcoming engagements, where are they, and how can people sign up and become a part of it, what you're
1: doing? Okay. Um, my book, once again, is called How to Be a Sales Superstar. The subtitle is Break All the Rules and Succeed While Doing It. Uh, it was published by Wiley. It just came out, and it is available in bookstores, um, all the bookstores, and it's also available on Amazon. It's doing really well on Amazon. And uh, I'm going to give you a couple of websites. Uh, My speaking website is MarkTewart.com, which is M-A-R-K-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. There's a link on there to um, be able to to order the book. And I'm going to give you a different website to show you that I practice what I preach. If you go to MarkTewartLive.com, you're going to see a video blog site. And the first chapter of the book is there for free. And you're going to get a couple of bonuses just for going to that page. And then if you purchase the book, you're going to get several more bonuses. Uh, some of them are from me, and there are other bonuses. One is from Dr. Joe Vitale, and they're all free. Um, you know, Two you get when you go to the, the, the site, and the others uh, you get when you purchase the book. So that's MarkTewartLive.com. And uh, as far as my upcoming schedule, I'm um, booked for the rest of the year. My next engagement in 2009, I'll be doing four different keynote speeches at the National Automobile Dealers Association Convention in New Orleans at the um, end of January, but on my website and at our phone number, which is 888 2 which is T-E-W-A-R-T. You can uh, through there or our website get in touch with me for speaking, training, and also we do consulting and business coaching.
2: Wow, you have your hands in a little bit of <laughs> pretty much everything. Is just well-rounded, it's a well-rounded business. And we have four
1: I'll, companies.
2: Wow, and I'll, I'll say I'll say this to anyone that's listening that that's thinking about bringing you in to speak to the organization or your. The company, or just to the employees, you know, the, the management on the management level. I think this is something that they really need. But and, and the reason I know we have two minutes left. and The reason I say that is a lot of people in management don't know how to deal with the uh, everyday worker. They, they I, I don't know what it is or, or why it's that way, but uh, some people just. Uh, don't know how to lead even though they may run the company but a lot of people don't know how to lead and it rubs the employees sometimes the wrong way and i know that what you're teaching in training um, will definitely touch on that
1: we definitely do our best and uh, try to make the best leaders that we can i mean that was evident today in the proceedings up in congress where you have ceos of large auto manufacturers flying to ask for a bailout but taking a plane that cost them $20,000 to get there. Uh, uh, kind of yeah. makes the people in the field feel a little left out, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah,
2: oh, yes, yeah. and, I also, and I also heard, uh, I'll say this and I'll let Brian finish up, but I also heard um, someone a few minutes ago just told me that your book has now uh, reached the status of a best-selling, uh, a best-selling book now.
1: Well, uh, you brought news to me, so I, I think I, uh, I love you guys. That's awesome, man. Just to keep, I'm going to stay on the phone with you all night, and you keep updating me with good news.
0: Hey, if you keep doing what you're doing, I guarantee you we keep going. I yes. appreciate
1: it. Thank you guys yes. very much. It's been a, been a joy. I hope it's been uh, helpful. Yes oh, and yeah, it's been very
0: informative. I mean, I've been over here writing stuff down. <laughs> Thank you very much yes yes ladies and gentlemen mark t and i want to close out greg by saying that you know you're only as good as you believe you are you know your first sale and your last sale you know ultimately has you have to have the same mindset for both you have to believe that you can do it you have to believe that it's achievable and you know that you can also duplicate that and replicate that and share that same knowledge. Don't sit on it. Don't hide it. Don't forget it. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. We also thank our special guest, Mr. Mark Tewart, and we hope in continued success for him and his business and his life. And we also hope that you will come back and join us on Monday as we'll have another exciting show. Good evening, and God bless you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just
1: about
2: anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
1: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from
1: O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with
0: O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.